Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the world's first Paul Weller fan podcast. I'm Dan Jennings and 10 years ago I gave up my live stream and career as a radio presenter with one big regret. Never getting to interview my hero, the legendary British musician Paul Weller. This podcast exists purely to solve that issue. Welcome to Desperately Seeking Paul. And in this episode, I'm joined by the magnificent Alan McGee. Not only has he been one of the biggest music moguls in the business, finding, managing and promoting some of the biggest bands and artists from Oasis, Primal Scream, Teenage Fan Club, Happy Mondays, The Libertines and so many more. The movie biopic based on his life and autobiography, Creation Stories, is on Sky Cinema from March 20th. With the tagline, One Man Created the Soundtrack, that defined a generation. Now, Alan also happens to be a massive jam and Paul Weller fan, as you're about to hear, with plenty of stories to tell, many of them for the first time anywhere to anyone ever. So let's get into it. Alan McGee, thanks for joining me. Hey, man. I'm so pleased to be talking to you, not only because this is a big moment for you with the biopic out, but more importantly, you're a massive Weller, massive jam fan. When you asked, uh, the reason I said yeah was nobody from that jam world has ever even really acknowledged that I'm a massive jam fan. Oh. But it's not even the jam with Paul. I mean, I love Style Council as well, but I don't love them, but I think they're really good. Do you know what I mean? I loved them. I loved them. I think I saw them late 77. I saw them, this is the Modern World Tour, mm. and then every tour that they went and done I didn't see them in the city I bought in the city I don't know how I didn't they played Satellite City I remember it it was something like May 77 for some reason I didn't go to that gig but that's this is the genius thing about music back in the day by the end of the year by the end of 77 I think I think it came out the Jam album came out something like April, May 77 but by November 77, This Is The Modern World had come out, I think. And I caught that tour. And they were phenomenal. Do you know what I mean? And Wellen must have been... He's not that much older than me. What was it about that music that made you such a fan? Because you were a punk as well. Oh, yeah. No, I was never a mod. I was I was a total punk. No, I just... I loved that first Jam album. I got by in time and non-stop dancing in the city. I loved All Around The World. It was a great power to it. 
way after the event, years after it all went down, uh, I eventually got to know Paul through Oasis, to be honest. And uh, and then eventually I got to become pals with Bruce. As punk wound down, and I loved loads of the new, loads of the, the post-punk stuff, like Joy Division and Killing Joke and the monochrome set, all the TV personalities, all the things you'd think I would like. Jam were kind of my band. They were still really meant it. They had their integrity and they were getting number ones. 80, 81. You could tell they were like really out of place in the charts because it just was, wasn't it? I mean, it was just, it was, it was everything had started to go modern romance and kajigugu. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and the jam were edgy and sometimes fucking awkward, but in a way, that's what made it kind of cool as well, that he, he was a bit awkward. I mean, I remember, I'd just moved to London, Dan. I went to come to London when I was 19, 1980, and I think the next month or two, I remember hearing Start. Start came out summer of 1980, and I think we went down in June. So I'm going to say that Start came out July or August. I'm going to say that. I think it came out around then. And I remember hearing that, and we were blown away. I, mean, I came down with Innes with Primal Scream, that, so I came to London with, you know. Is it, yeah, you were at school with Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream, is that right? And you're both into punk, yeah, punk rock. He saw me at school. We never really, really became massively close until way after that, until punk happened, and we both went into the punk thing together, and that was our joy. I did take him to his first show, and he came and asked me if I would take him to Thin Lizzy when I took him to the show. There's a story around the fanzine as well, um, jamming, which was this thing yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, this thing that Paul helped fund and Tony Fletcher put together. Yeah, um, no, I know Tony really well. It's a better story than that that you'll appreciate as you're not a massive jam fan, you've got a Weller podcast. And when I was about 18 or 19, I'd started writing songs and I wrote to Paul, maybe I might have been 1920, but he'd started, what was that label that he had? Was it Respond? Yeah, Respond, yeah. Right, okay. And I wrote to him, and he wrote back. I've never said this to him. I mean, I don't see him very often. It's not as if I, I don't hang out with Paul Weller. I mean, I'd be, when I like people that much, I don't really want to become their friend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. sort of got, I sort of, he does respect me, which is lovely, right? But I don't actually really want to be too pally with Weller because I kind of like it the way it is that he's my idol, one of my idols, one of my heroes. And I don't want to get on with him too well. I just want to, like, have that memory of the jam and the 70s, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's fine for me the way it is. But I wrote to him, I'm going to say 81, right? So it'd be 20 maybe. And I wrote to respond and he wrote back a few times and quite liked my songs. You know wow. what I mean? Wow. I know, I know. I was un- <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, I think my band was called, it was me really, to be honest. I think it was called Soul Organization or something like that. Somewhere, some fucking weird name. I can't actually remember what, what it was called. But yeah, he wrote back a couple of times. And my son says that these letters from Weller, my, my ex wife's garage, and I don't really talk to her, you know, I've not seen her in years, but I would love to get hold of that letter and one day pull it out when I, next time I see him. When I run into him, and thought, well, <laughs> if I know I'm going to run into him, take the letter and go. Guess yeah. what? You nearly signed me <laughs> just for the for the crack. Do you know what I mean? You know, I don't know if it'd be good, Dan, but it might be quite funny. Do you know what I mean? So the move to London was that specifically to to work in music as well as the band? Did you have any inclination at that point that you were going to start? Record no, I, just, I just came to London to become a, a punk pop star. Do you know what I mean? I was 19 and I wanted to be on top of the pops in my own punk band, post punk band, I suppose it would have been, and. Um, didn't really work out like that, but it ended up working out in another way. You know, I ended up becoming this manager guy. You know, so 1983, you started Creation Records, is that right? And with with a loan that's of a correct. with a loan of a grand, and that's on. The, if we talk about Paul, it's the cusp of the jam of splits up. So, how did you feel about that? Was I was that? really gutted because it was, as I say, and I'm not just saying. 
that's why I agreed to come on, to be honest. I owe a kind of debt, a musical debt to the jam and to Paul Weller, ultimately. And, and uh, no, they were my band. Do you know what I mean? And back in the early 80s, uh, more than... It came to pass that I love TV personalities more than I love the jam. But at the end of the day, the jam were very significant in my life when I was a kid, you know what I mean? Mm. So when they split, you obviously are gutted, aren't you? Yeah, I was disappointed, but I kind of understood it as well. And then he went and done the Style Council. And do, do you remember the gigs at Victoria Park? I was there. Was that the first Style Council gig? Was that the first gig? Speak like a child. What a fucking tune. Mm. Genius tune, man. Genius. And then it was money go round after that, wasn't it? The second single. Yeah. yeah, I was there, Dan. I was there. I was at Victoria Park. I must have been 21 or something like that. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's just brilliant. And as the Style Council releasing those songs you talk about, you're getting into music in terms of running a label. So you start creating records with this loan of a grand. The name lends itself to the jam as well. So there's that, like, an element of gratitude around that too, I guess. That was inspired by all mod comments. Oh, I've got. Dude, dude, I've not. This is going to be great for your podcast. I got the name Creation from All Mod Cons. Do you know on the sleeve it says the Creation making time? And that's a, like a 1960s garage band, is that right? From Paul putting that up in '79, I went and bought their records and I got into the Creation. If it wasn't for Paul putting that on a fucking sleeve, <laughs> I wouldn't have known about that band. Brilliant. What was the song? It was was it Biff Bang Pow or something? Yeah, it might have been. I can't remember. It was the, it was a Creation Seven and shit that he yeah. put up. And also for Ed Cell, he was recommending records like the Action, the Creation, the Artwoods, the yeah. that Ed Cell reissue series that Paul was. I don't know if he was reissuing them, but he was definitely doing sleeve notes. And I went and bought all these records, and that totally influenced where we started from. The difference with Creation to what Paul was doing was that we were also merging it in the early days with the punk thing that's what our idea was basically merging punk with psychedelia and that's why when I got to the television personalities they were so important because that's exactly they were the embodiment of that man. do mm. you know what I mean this is putting it mildly it's, it's a pretty it was a pretty wild ride wasn't it <laughs> yeah I mean it was like it was it was mad it was quite but it wasn't probably any more mad than anybody else's ride I mean did, could you imagine being in the jam for fuck's sake man do you know what I mean how wild would that have been I mean I'm friends with Bruce and I get up to you know tell me shit at times and that was like a as a fucking youth club band that went and ended up at Wembley, wasn't that? Do you know what I mean? Well, even the Star Council, you know, when Whitey joined, he was like 17 and they're, they're playing Live Aid, you know. Nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad. <laughs> so within a couple of years, you've launched Jesus and the Merry Chain and you're hundreds of thousands of records being sold. And actually there's a link there. I found out there's a link there today with Paul, which is that Douglas Hart, who was one of the, I think one of the original members of Jesus and the Merry Chain, went on to yeah. direct music videos, including the new one, for Cosmic Fringes, which is you come out. know, you know, because I'm friends with Douglas. Ah, oh, lovely. But Douglas is fucking funny, man. You know, he's like he was talking. He said, "He said I've just done the new Weller video, German." You know, the thing is, it's so hard these days to get like find out who makes these things because YouTube, you just get it just says Paul Weller Cosmic Fringes to find to dig yeah. into the makers of this content. Is but oh no, it's great. I love it. Brilliant. What a funny. He thing. was complaining that he said he said he said I've got to take Douglas was Douglas because I've. I fucking did the well video, but I fucking keep having to do these COVID tests before we shoot it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, right. I don't think that's Paul. I think that's just the law. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You went on to describe Paul at one point in the jam as the most important musician in Britain, and certainly in the kind of early to mid eighties. Um, absolutely yeah. love him. I absolutely love him. I mean, I've ran into him quite a lot, Dan. I remember we loved him 
and we went right, you know, I was writing to him when I was a kid. And then when Acid House happened and Style Council were coming off the back end of the success, I ran into him. He will never remember this. I've never said anything to him. And he was with Paolo Hewitt, who I'm friends with. Right? And Paolo Hewitt was like clocking me with some fucking mad girl that I was with at the time, right? On E. And Weller was obviously off his nut as well, right? I don't know, maybe not on E, though, probably known Weller, probably pissed, right? And Weller was like dancing with himself in a fucking mirror, literally, you know? So he must have been fucking smashed, do you know what I mean? And, you know, I was I was gone, man, you know what I mean? But I remember running into him then, and then I never, me and Bobby then went to a party. When the solo album came out, the, the big one, not the first one that he put out himself, the second album. Into Wildwood oh, and then and then Stanley yeah, Road. Okay. And me and Bobby went to that party, right? And we were like, we're just being mad, you know? <laughs> and then Oasis got big, and I'd just come out of rehab. I was in this Oasis dressing room. Like, I don't think Oasis knew how much into Weller I really was, right? You know. Anyway, Paul was there, and I came in and I had a, I looked good, right? I had a, I had a Crombie or a Paul Smith Crombie, and he looked at me, and I thought, "Fuck, I'm, I'm, this could go either way, man." I'm like, I'm, I'm effectively, I'm no guy, I'm no record company, right? Fuck, does he probably think my a Weller goes, "All right, boss," and I went, "That's oh. amazing." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "All right." You know, and, uh, <laughs> was nice to him, but I couldn't barely talk to him. And then I had some good chats with him. I got, yeah, for when he was doing that, I thought, what was it? There was something, some record, his covers record. Remember that record? We did Primals and Oasis on it. And he yeah. phoned me up about something and it was like, all cool. And then we just ran into each other. The last time I saw Paul was about two years ago. It was that band Touts were playing and I had Clockworks. Paul was there on his own and I had this massive beard. I don't know if you know what. I, it was a short beard at the moment, but I had this massive beard <laughs> at the time, right? My pal went on over to him. He's a big Scottish guy, Jerry Knotts. Went on over to him and was talking to him and everything. And I went on over and I went, all right. He was a bit like, right, I think he thought, fuck, who's the serial killer, right? And, uh, and I went, it's McGee. And I went, oh, it was totally sweet. And then we ended up getting him up to the tube that night. So it's kind of cool. I mean, he's just a good guy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, for who he is, he's very, very fucking humble. You know what I mean? You're riding high because I think that's around the same time that Primal Scream, Scream Adelica's out. You've got Teenage Fan Club, Riots and Etienne and then yeah, you, yeah. Keep, you keep breaking bands and then Oasis, which we'll touch on in a sec. Didn't you try to sign Weller as a solo artist at one point? I did. Oh, I forgot about that. Well done. You know my <laughs> history better than me. <laughs> so I'd sold 23 million Oasis what's stories so we were awash with cash used to be back in the early 80s early 90s sorry before before Oasis what used to happen Dan was I'd say what's my how much money have I got to sign bands and they used to say things like 80 grand for the year right <laughs> for is, the fucking yeah. year <laughs> and that year I went in and I went how much have I got to spend and if I didn't spend it I had to give Sony 49% of the money. So I obviously didn't want to do that. So I'd rather spend it and reinvest it in the business, right? Yeah. And I, uh, I went, how much have we got to spend? And they went, 8 million. <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, fuck, amazing. And they said, oh, who do you want to sign? And I went, number one, Neil Young. Number two, Paul Weller. Number three, Kevin Rowland. So Neil Young, he was, he was tied up with us. And I got a meeting with John Weller. And I actually offered Paul two million to sign to creation. And it ended up, I'm not going to say what it went for, but it was a lot more than two million. And he went back to Go Discs. Wow, uh, wow, wow. But John Weller was all right. John Weller was kind of cool. 
Good guy. The Oasis connections. Um... Yeah, Noel loves them. I think they're both, well, when Noel lived in London, I talked to Noel quite a lot by text, but I'm not really in his social group anymore. You know, he is in his own fucking rarefied airspace, I think. But um, <laughs> he, he did live right next to Paul, I'm told. Do you know what I mean? I think he told me that. If he's washing his dishes, he can see Paul well. <laughs> Out the back window. And I know you've covered so many times the the, the finding of Oasis, so I'm not going to get into that because everybody can find that story. But yeah, I'd love yeah. to talk about the height of it because sold over 75 million albums worldwide. They're playing Nebworth. And one question, I think, I mean, Paul still now, I saw when, when the new single was, was announced on the social, so many people still saying, oh, I thought the news was going to be the jam reforming. When are you getting the jam back <laughs> together? And whatever. Oasis, this story is going to go on forever in terms of will, will, will the brothers get back together, which must be, I mean, there's a bit of you that just kind of goes, just leave it. How much of you would like to see both those bands back together, the Jam and Oasis? You know what? Musically, the Jam, I don't think I'd want to see it, but the only reason I'd say it'd be nice to see it is I think Bruce would love it. Do you know what I mean? Because I think talking to him, and if we talk privately a wee bit sometimes, I think it would be a big deal to Bruce. Because I think he feels maybe that he lost something you know, when Paul and him split and they grew up in each other's pockets. So I'd, I'd be good for Bruce. So I'd say that would be lovely. Noel and Liam, I just think they've got to get back to being a family before they try and reform their fucking band. Do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, it's a good point. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's another link I wanted to talk to you about, which was the politics side of things, because Paul in the 80s, there's Red Wedge. He has his own relationship with what we'll call old Labour, if you like. You were courted at the very height of Britpop. You were courted by new Labour as this figurehead of youth culture. Yeah. Was there any element of you that saw what Paul had done and how his fingers had been burnt that made you reticent of getting involved with Tony Blair and the government of the time? I don't regret any of that. Two reasons, ultimately. I changed the law with a new deal for musicians and got musicians on benefits you could be a musician and get benefits for four years. So it's an unbelievable thing we got past, and that went through for 10 years. But the second thing is, and this will be really uncool, unfortunately, right, you know, for anybody listening, I kind of like Tony Blair. It was the last time Britain was fucking profitable. I know that's not cool, but it's fucking true. Well, if it wasn't for the Iraq thing, you know, a lot of people... Oh, no, listen, I know. When you talk to him, I still know him a wee bit, Dan. And when you talk to him, I, I sometimes, you know, pop by. He, he's Officer Grosvenor Square. And it is literally the fucking elephant in the room. Don't mention the war. <laughs> 
but he shouldn't have done that. But if he hadn't done that, what a fucking... He'd be the Labour hero, wouldn't he, Jeremy? Mm. The music of the time seemed to link in with that Britpop, this Royal Britannia thing. You're riding yeah. high with, you know, so many great bands. I mean, God, we could go through the list and it would it would take us the next 20 minutes. But, you know, Ride, Teenage Fan Club, St. Etienne, Super Fairy Animals. There's one band I want to mention, which was my bloody Valentine, if only because there is a link with Weller. And I'm going to see if you can guess what it is before I go through it. Any ideas? I, I know they've played with each other. Kevin played on an album a couple of records ago. So that's why, that, am I correct? You are correct, right, yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah, he played on Wake Up The Nation. Seven and Three is the striker's name was the song. I know very little about Kevin Shields, I'll be honest with you. My buddy Valentine yeah. is not a, not a band I've ever really got into or anything. And I, and I know you've had an interesting relationship with Kevin, to say the least. That roster of bands that you had at the time was incredible. And the hit rate, looking back at that, you must be so proud of what you achieved with that label and, and with those bands. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with Kevin now, man. There's not an, any, any issue, do you know what I mean? We've had a few big run-ins, me and Kevin. They went on for 20 years. Well, no, not 20 years, but, but we've had a couple of absolute full-on fallouts slagging the shit out of each other. But do you know what? Uh, he's a great artist, and mm. I've got zero problem with him. Do you know what I mean? We had dinner with each other about five years ago, and, but now you've stopped slagging each other off, so thank God for that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and were you still into Weller at the time as well? So the height of Britpop, he's back on fire. You yeah. mentioned Wildwood, Stanley Road, all those albums. Dude, I've always been into Paul Weller. I've never not been into Paul Weller. I've been into Paul Weller since 1977. He might have been unfashionable a few times in the middle of all that, but like every other fucker on the planet, including me, you go in and out of fashion where you're what you do if you're going to do something that you mean. I love, I fucking love Paul Weller. I remember when we all started getting big and Primals had broken and Bobby said, okay, what a great rehearsal. Weller was rehearsing and we, me and his, I think they went into his rehearsal room or he went into their rehearsal room and they were doing covers. And it was like, and for Andrew especially, Andrew Annis, right, he's, his guitar style is basically based on Paul Weller, Wilco Johnson. So he was like, fucking playing with Paul Weller. And at that point, well, they'd only started to get famous. It was only like 1991. So we were we were all blown away that we were like, suddenly it was like, it was cool, you know what I mean? Like we were accepted. It was so great. You obviously have the Oasis link, but that ties into Ocean Colour Scene as well, who supported the band on like something like 400 shows or something ridiculous. Yeah, man. And, and Craddock playing with Weller and um, and Damon yeah. Mancella playing with Weller. So the whole thing feels like a really, really close knit, like supporting yeah. each other. They're just a great band. I mean, I mean, the Oasis thing was, it was a, just, it was a joy really, to be honest, Dan, you know what I mean? It was great to put their records out. And they're both the brothers are like just so great in totally different ways, you know? At which point would you get to hear the material? I mean, obviously it's, pre-release in the beginning I was integral to the whole thing during the first album but once bands sell millions of records once it sold 7 million records the truth is I, you know I, I was getting delivered the records do you know what I mean but the first album I was pretty integral to it I mean we recorded it twice I, they recorded it once and knocked it back we re-recorded it and knocked back the, the second mix and then the, their manager Marcus Russell ended up finding Owen Morris and we went with the Owen mixes so it was, it was recorded twice and mixed three times you know and it's the second album that Weller plays on isn't it Champagne Supernova I'm trying to think off the top of my yeah. head I was getting my political place at the table do you know what I mean play with the demos but I'm just saying if you'd mean inf- as an influence on the whole thing after the first album I'm not going to bullshit you I, I mean I was, in to- I was probably my football with the first album but after that I was as part of the scenery, really, it was it was a, 
you know what I mean? It was an oasis thing after that, you know? The other thing that I noticed that you share with Paul is you're always looking forward. You've got such a love of new music. You're always looking to find new talent. I know you've got a couple of new ventures that you've had over the past few years. I think the latest is, is Creation Baby. Is that right? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned right at the beginning of the influence that Paul had in terms of introducing you to bands. Like, there's so many bands I've discovered through a mention in a news in a magazine article from Paul or somebody supporting him on tour. What is it for you about finding new talent that, that really drives you on? I don't know. I mean, it's just what kind of turns me on, to be absolutely honest. New bands, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, that's just who I am. There's no money in it. But there is, if you, you know, you find somebody, it's, it goes on and smashes it, but... The truth is, I just like doing that, you know what I mean? Obviously, since you've run Creation, the music business has changed completely different and alien to what it was then. Is there a part of you that misses the idea of opening the gatefold of all more cons and reading more about the bands to now just a tiny little image on a on an MP3? To be fair, I've left vinyl really behind, really. I will release vinyl sometimes. But, but the truth is, if you want to go and look at a sleeve, most people are actually doing their albums as vinyls so if that's your world you can still have that world do you know what I mean I mean I'm lazy really ultimately it's like you know the Sleaford Mods record came out I listened to it in Spotify I really like them the Mogwai record just went to number one I'll listen to that later on on Spotify I mean I'm not everybody else are you a Spotify person as well yeah yeah I mean I'm Amazon yeah. Music I'm asking Alexa to play XYZ yeah do you know what I mean it's, it's just the way it is I think we're all, we're all what they've done Dan is they've sort of turned music into gas and electricity, haven't they? <laughs> you just go and, just go yes. and click it and it comes on. Do you know what I mean? That's really what has happened. And I suppose 20, 30 years ago, it was a much more ritualistic thing that you went, you bought the record or the CD and you took it back and you played it and you hoped it wasn't shit. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Whereas now you, you can afford for it to be shit and just move on to the next, yeah? The thing is, I think, what's my Spotify a month? 14 nights. 89 a month so it's effectively like I used to buy a CD every month and I can play all the old punk tunes and the way that the money's broken down with Spotify is it's not it doesn't even go to the fucking punky bands that I like it goes to like Ed Sheeran and because it's, it's, it's on market share it's not based on specific plays which I think is really wrong yeah no I, I hear you mentioned Bruce and um, I know that you've been to From the Jam and you mentioned that you've put Bruce on I put them on yeah. I put them on. Do you know what? I'm going to be really serious. I put on so many great bands. I Basically, I got phone hacked. Remember when they were doing all the phone hacking? Yeah. And I got phone yeah. hacked and I, I, I fucking sued Rupert Murdoch a lot of money out of them. I bought a church and done it up as a venue and uh, in Wales. And I used to get my favourite bands to come and do little one-off gigs for the locals. Totally fucking unique experience, right? So I had the Mary Chain, the Super Furries, Steve Mason, oh, wow. the Farm, Dodgy, Cast, From the Jam, blah, blah, blah. And do you know who was the best out of all the bands from the jam? What a night that was. Because what they just done was they they played 20 jam hits. Russell, I've got a good From the Jam story. When I wrote the book, and it ended up coming back up to London, and once I wrote the book, everybody thought I was back in the music business, so everybody asked me to manage manage him again right so Wilco Johnson was one of the people asked me to manage him and during he remember the cancer thing but I made him number one around that time he was getting a life-threatening operation and him, him and Roger's album was number one in the charts yeah. we didn't know if he'd come through it but anyway the point of this is I get an email and I think it was Russell and it was like when Wilco comes out of hospital, do you want to bring him to Paul's studio? Because we want him on the album. So me and Wilco go on down to Paul's studio to meet 
Bruce, I, and I've never really properly met Bruce at this point, not really. I said hello to him a couple of times, but I never met him, met him. And Russell, and I remember rolling into to meeting him thinking, oh, fuck, I'm going to meet the Paul Weller lookalike guy. Fucking hell, here we go. The nicest. Have you met him? I've had him on the podcast, yeah. He was episode oh. three. He's a lovely guy, yeah. The nicest man in rock and roll. And within about a minute, he's like, oh, are you off the drinking and drugs? Yeah, so am I. And one minute in, me and Russell fucking clicked, Stan. And I was like, fuck, I wanted to hate him. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, I, somebody that's Paul Weller in from The Jam, and, and I love The Jam. I don't really want to like the lookalike. But he's such a great guy. Still talk to him loads now. Such a great guy. And uh, we got to know that. That's how really I started to get to know them. And uh, and then I said, oh, I've got a church. Do you want to come and play the church? And they came down and stayed at my house for a couple of days, both of them. And, and then they played 20 jam songs. Nailed it. And it, it was just an acoustic from the jam show. Gave them a couple of grand, sort of cash. I was like, what a gig, mate. Genius fucking show. <laughs> the great thing for me about the jam is is that this is five years of excellence. That legacy is never going to go anywhere, and those songs still suck. Yeah. But it still sounds great, doesn't it? They sound great. Oh no, it's brilliant. I mean, it shouldn't be that good because oh. I was like, there's one fucking guy from the jam in it, Bruce. I love Bruce, but it's like, really, is it going to be? It's fucking great. I can't believe it. It's like yeah. so good. You mentioned cast there, and there's another Weller link there because um, so first time around, Paul was one, the one who introduced me to cast because he'd been recommending them, talking about them. When they came back, you managed them as well, is that right? I, I'm their manager. Oh, you still are? Yeah. So Steve Pilgrim was drummer when they reformed, and Steve's now part of Weller's band. So that was yeah, that, yeah. another yeah, little yeah, link yeah, there yeah. as well. They're brilliant. They're so again another great band who are just brilliant live and their last yeah. album was terrific I love them so what's lined up for them can you tell us anything that's coming up from those guys I'm going to make an album this year fly them to Spain we use one of my best mates is I guess the Killing Joe bass player but he's, in the, he's a world class producer yes he's going to do the album wow brilliant Look forward to that. A couple of final things to touch on. Um, the film. And everybody's talking about this at the moment. So it's about to be on Sky Cinema. It tells the story, I guess, this roller coaster ride of you from, I think, it, how the PR talks about it is this skink Glasgow school kid with a passion for music. It's hard when you, it's your own life, but Irvin's one of my heroes. I've been friends with Irvin since 91. So I've been friends with him 30 years before he was fucking famous, to be honest. When he wanted to do it, I knew it would be fucking great because it's a great story the way Irvin tells it, right? But I knew that I would be portrayed as a bit of a cartoon character. So I've got to live with that, Dan. But it's not that bad. It's just half of it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Once you can accept it's fucking fantasy, half of it, then it's fine. Do you know what I mean? So I, do you know what I mean? It's light. It's, it's, it's great entertainment. It might even be big. Fucking hell. That'd be weird. But it's as real as built or train spotting, if you know what I'm trying to say. Produced by Danny Boy, written by Irvin, and directed by Nick Moran, yeah. who's um, Lock Stock and all that. I feel that you'd describe yourself as a music fan more than anything else. Would that be right? Yeah. It was one of the news channels or something. And, and they said, oh, in the film, you're down to saying, oh, your, your gods are money and music and I went well I don't have any problem with money because you know I, I've, I've done really well at different points but music is my god no bloody money and that's what you know that's what I was saying to you but because with my film Irvin's ran with it and you know which is I've totally let him do that don't get me wrong but half of what's in that film Dan it's 
it's Irvin Riffin. It, mm. You just got to accept that, you know. Right. A couple of final questions for you. So, in terms of the new label, who who should we look out for on its creation, baby, in twenty twenty one? Yeah, band called the Clockworks from Galway, brilliant band. Yeah, really great band. All the majors are trying to sign them off me. So to, to start happening in the middle of a pandemic is kind of good going, you know. Two final questions for you, Alan. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much for your time. You're allowed one Paul Weller song for the rest of your life. It can be the Jam, the Style Council, or Solo. Which one's it going to be? Well, you finally got what you wanted. <laughs> that one. Is that Butterfly Collector? <laughs> I'm trying to do the rest of it in my head. Well, you yeah, it is. Got... I love that song. I love loads, but that, I really love that one. What was that B-side to? I'm trying to think. I'm when you're young. And point of this podcast is also for me to be able to meet Paul, have a conversation at Black Barn Studios, the conversation I never managed in um, my time as a radio presenter. What should I talk to him about? Is there one question that I should ask Weller for you? None that are repeatable, I still think. Yeah, I know quite a lot of the bad stories. <laughs> oh, if I not asked about the bad stories. Uh, let me have a think. <laughs> Um, what stories should I have asked you about, damn it? No, I, I, I mean, like, I'm hurt on it. Um, uh, where had him and Steve Craddock been when he ran up to Alan McGee in New York, back streets in New York at Soho Grand in 2014? <laughs> Basically what happened is, well, I, I just was walking down the road. It's about five o'clock on a fucking Friday night. In New York, summer of 2014, it was like, maybe it was 13, 13 or 14. It was like, Alan! And I turned around and fucking Weller and Craddock, kind of off the nut, basically. Where I thought that's what they're really up to. But off the nut, running to me, going, ah! And I was like, all right, how are you? It hit me a bit like, <laughs> through me, man, you know what I mean? But they'd been up to no good, so fuck this where they'd actually been. You know? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Alan, this has been delight. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the new venture. Not right, you need it, nice I have to say. You, and with that, he was gone. That was amazing. What a bloody legend. So many hilarious stories. I hope you enjoyed that. Now, next up on the podcast, our most ambitious week yet. Seven podcasts in seven days, each one with a different honorary counsellor, chatting about their time working with the Style Council. And some of them have never spoken about the experience ever. Some big surprises coming next. Plus, also coming soon, Stone Foundation's Neil Jones, Steve Rapport, the photographer, bass player Damon Minchella, part of Paul's solo band and ocean colour scene for so long, and Rick Buckler from The Jam. Wow, wow, wow. All coming soon on the podcast. Please share this episode on social media. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us to find new listeners to the show. You can find us on social media. It's at WellerFanPod on Twitter or Paul Weller Fan Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. I'll see you next time. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.